0: Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. This week, our topic is on respecting authority and what God's Word says and what God expects of believers in this area of our lives and the consequences that ensue if we don't. So before we move any further, let's take a look at the dictionary definition of our two topic words, respect and authority. According to Webster's, the definition of respect is an act of giving particular attention. Second definition, giving high or special regard. And the definition for authority states, power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior. Second definition, persons in command. And we see starting off that in order to even begin to understand what it is to respect authority, we need to fully understand what each of these independent words truly mean. And this just gave us a very clear picture. But what does it look like to actually live these definitions out in our daily lives? And that is the incredibly hard and challenging aspect of our study today. So let's start off by looking at a few thoughts God has for us on respecting authority For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. And let's follow that up with Titus 3.1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Again, just like the dictionary, God's word is very clear, and now we are getting a good picture of what it looks like to live it out, what is required of us so that we might live peaceful and proper lives. We see in both Romans and Titus there is no wiggle room in exactly what it is we are supposed to do with regard to how we treat and talk about our leaders, and especially those in governmental power over us. But you say, the people running my nation and state and city and town are flat-out corrupt and rotten and don't deserve to be in office, and I'm certainly not going to take direction from people like that under any condition. And if that is how you feel, that is more than likely how you will act. And that, at least, according to God, will land you in a very compromising position between you and he. And indeed, these passages here in Romans and Titus are very difficult to submit to. It isn't easy to see wrong being done, people dishonoring what is right and true and sacred. But keep in mind, God does not give us room for our opinion or feelings in the matter. Rather, it states clearly, For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Then you say, God isn't at all just then. God would never put people X, Y, and Z in power if he were. They are destroying us. They are ripping to shreds the very moral fibers of our foundation as a nation. Perhaps they are, but that doesn't give any room for disrespect while they are in their position of leadership over us. It also does not give us the right to go against God, our ultimate authority, and disrespect Him because we happen to think differently on the matter. Again, this is a very difficult subject, but only because we want what we want and we want what we think is best, and that based on a very, very tiny perspective of the much larger global and cosmic picture. We don't see one trillionth of what God sees and knows. We are, for all intents and purposes, blind to seeing what is happening now. And the fact that what is happening now may very well need to be happening to resolve absolute catastrophe down the road, even though it appears to be inconceivable at the moment. Sometimes it takes God allowing a bit of mayhem for us to open our eyes and see what needs to be done and how we need to be challenged in order for the necessary changes to take place. Otherwise, it truly would be out of control. Consider this, however. There are respectful ways to challenge our leaders and our laws. For instance, in America, if you disagree with a leader or a law, you have all right and full freedom to challenge that person on the law. But make sure you are doing it by what the authorities have set up under the law. There is a definite and fairly easy process for this, but that process does not include disrespect and breaking the law, or going against the authorities, and God has made that very clear. And also keep in mind that just because you do your due diligence does not mean or guarantee that the things will change. Remember, this is up to God, not you. Let's look at another passage of Scripture for further clarity. 1 Peter 2, 13, 17. Fear God. Honor the Emperor. Once again, very clear direction on exactly how we are to live our lives under secular authority and God's authority. But the butts keep rolling out, as in, but that can't be exactly what God means. He can't just want us to sit idly by and let the world crumble under evil and lawlessness and self-centered egotists who are out for their own agendas. But could it be that you are out for your own agenda as well? And whether you are correct or incorrect in your judgment of the powers that be, disobeying God's word will only make you a carbon copy of the one or ones you are condemning. God has another name for those who engage in such practices, hypocrites. And how many Christians become and are living right now as raging, monstrous hypocrites because they somehow have appointed themselves to defend God, become God's legal counsel? After all, he needs you of anyone to take care of things here on earth for him. If you're still struggling with all this, I encourage you to locate right now in God's word where he gives any one of us the authority to appoint ourselves an authority over our authorities and the authority over our law. And if by chance you can locate that in God's word, please do let me know, and I will gladly make a public statement that I was indeed mistaken the good thing is i am not remotely concerned that i will ever be challenged on that or have to make any such statement because the ultimate authority has made his case abundantly clear let's read it again from romans 13. let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and those that exist have been instituted by god period And this discussion also filters on down the line to our employment and to our teachers and from kids to parents. As we have read, God does not allow us to just roam free without a boss, if you will. We are all subject to authority our entire life. The question again is, however, with what level of respect do we treat our authorities? So let's look now at what it looks like to respect our authorities in our daily life as it relates to our employment. Again, all the above passages indicate that we are to respect our authority, our boss, just like any other authority in government. And that takes us right back to Titus 3.1. Be submissive to rulers and authorities to be ready for every good work. So when we are submitting to our rulers and our authorities, doing what God asked of us, we then fall in line with 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God of God. And there is our calling. Do everything to the honor and glory of God. And when we are doing that, we will submit to our rulers, authorities, bosses, parents, and so on. At this point, I believe we have sufficiently examined God's expectations of us to be obedient to our authorities. But what if the authority mandates that we as believers go against God? Does that change all we have looked at up to this point? And that is a very valid and very important question to answer and one we must answer. And the answer is just as straightforward as being obedient to our authorities and leaders. And under no circumstance are believers to submit to anyone who calls us to deny God or his mandates for us as believers. Now this is where Christians too often go insane and abuse the God-given right and privilege to not follow the law of the land. This, sadly, too, often is where Christians go completely against God and do what they want and feel is best and right, and their understanding of God, quote, honoring. Case in point, too many individuals who call themselves Christians, Christ followers, have engaged in illegal behavior when the law of the land does not seem right to them. I'm going to get very controversial here and state that burning down an abortion clinic because God detests abortion does not give anyone the God-given right to do such a thing. Disrupting businesses, vandalism, screaming and yelling at the authorities is not at all God-honoring. In fact, it is everything God detests as well and calls it for what it is, sin. And that has been made clear in all we have covered so far in His Word. So you ask, how do we stop these awful, terrible things from happening if we don't make waves and cause chaos? If we don't do something radical, no one will listen, and we must get the attention of our leaders for change to take place. After all, everyone else protests to get their point across, so Christians need to do the same thing to be heard. And the direct response to that philosophy and acting on even one of those actions is not at all God-honoring either. Yes, they are flat-out wrong. Need proof? Here it is, Romans 12.18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Careful, I know what some of you are thinking right now. West. that is a really weak reference to back up your claim on such a huge subject. And to that I would just ask you to think about and consider, how are you so blatant and quick to call one comma of God and God's word weak and in reference to anything? Okay then. Let's dig deeper and come up with something really compelling, Daniel 6. And I'm going to paraphrase here, and if you don't know the entire account of Daniel, I highly recommend you read it carefully when we are done here. So Daniel believed in God as his ultimate authority, and Daniel did follow the laws of the land. Daniel did, however, do one thing that got under the skin of a few people, and they did not like the fact that he prayed to God several times a day. Wanting to put an end to Daniel praying to God and not being able to find anything else to accuse him of, these several people went to the king, King Darius, and told him what Daniel was doing and recommended that the king implement a law that would force everyone in the land to pray and worship only King Darius for the next 30 days. Included in this new law was the fact that anyone who disobeyed would be put in the lion's den to be killed. King Darius did as they asked, and the law took effect at once. Subsequently, Daniel, like the rest of the kingdom, got word of this new law, but Daniel continued to pray just as he had been doing all along to God. Yes, Daniel went against the law of the land and disregarded any law that would prevent him from talking to and worshiping God. In the end, Daniel was caught still praying to God, as he always had, yes, going against the world's authorities. He was reported to King Darius and was sent to the lion's den for execution. Still a weak response to our topic? Was Daniel just too passive? Maybe he was just scared of conflict, or maybe he just didn't have what it took to stand up for what is right and moral, and didn't have the smarts to defend God. Not quite. What Daniel did was exceptionally God-honoring, and the outcome is our very solid proof, and that being the fact God saved Daniel. But perhaps you are on the other side of the fence on this argument, and believe under no circumstance it is okay to break any law of the land, and that there is still not enough proof that it is okay in this case, even in the face of honoring God. With that in mind, let's look at the following passages from God's Word for our evidence on that. Exodus 1.15 states that Pharaoh ordered all male babies to be killed, but that order was not followed by the midwives because it did not honor God. Another. In the beginning of Daniel, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to worship King Nebuchadnezzar. And still another shows us that Paul himself was arrested and put in prison multiple times for continuing to tell people about God, going directly against the Roman law. Each of these three accounts are abundantly clear that when it involves truly honoring God, the way God expects to be honored and not on our own terms and motives, Lives are saved and set free. And let's take all this one step further. Mark 12:17, Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Another powerful testimony from Jesus, God himself, directly from his mouth to our ears in person, that there are laws that are to be adhered to with regard to our earthly authorities, government, and there are laws that are to be adhered to with regard to our heavenly authority, God. Yes, we are to be obedient to the law of the land and to the law of God, both. Now it's time to take a look at Daniel's actions to this new law and how he handled it. How did he react to this new unfair wrong, intolerable law? Listen carefully. Daniel did not go out and round up as many people as he could and protest. He didn't publish his opinion and plaster it all over town and he didn't get together with all of his other praying friends and badmouth the leadership and brag about how he was going to sit on the steps of the capitol or chain himself to the fence of the white house and pray in the face of everyone no not at all nothing even close and why not because daniel knew where daniel needed to be and daniel knew he did not need to take these matters into his own hands because doing anything other than what he had been doing all along would only serve in taking time away from what he was called to do And that was to keep praying and worshiping God. And Daniel's simple action of respect to God, just simply continuing to do what he knew God wanted him to do, had far more impact than any protest, riot, blog, tweet, or Facebook post could have ever had on the entire nation. Yes, the whole nation would feel the effect of what Daniel did quietly and peacefully. In Daniel 6.16, after Daniel was sentenced to death by the king and put in the lion's den, a great work began in the king. Again, let's look at Daniel's actions at this point. We don't see him calling his lawyers and suing the government. And there was no point in that because Daniel knew perfectly well that he was in the right. No matter what anyone said or thought, he was perfectly secure. So at this point we have Daniel hanging out with hungry lions and the king having a restless night over the decision he had made and God at work in both the life of Daniel and King Darius. God worked on Daniel to keep trusting, and worked on King Darius to agonize over his decision. And that takes us to Daniel 6:19 through 28 and I will be reading the remaining passage from Eugene Peterson's The Message. At daybreak, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. As he approached the den, he called out anxiously, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve so loyally, saved you from the lions? O king, live forever, said Daniel. My God sent his angel, who closed the mouths of the lions so that they would not hurt me. I have been found innocent before God and also before you, O king. I have done nothing to harm you. When the king heard these words, he was happy. He ordered Daniel taken up out of the den. When he was hauled up, there wasn't a scratch on him. He had trusted his God. Then the king commanded that the conspirators who had informed on Daniel be thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. Before they hit the floor, the lions had them in their jaws, tearing them to pieces. King Darius published this proclamation to every race, color, and creed on the earth. Peace to you, abundant peace. I decree that Daniel's God shall be worshipped and feared in all parts of my kingdom. He is the living God, world without end. His kingdom never falls. His rule continues eternally. He is a savior and rescuer. He performs astonishing miracles in heaven and on earth. He saved Daniel from the power of the lions. From then on, Daniel was treated well during the reign of Darius and also in the following reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is absolutely fantastic. God spared Daniel's life. God showed Daniel that by simply staying focused on God, God would indeed take care of everything else as only he can and will do. Second, and incredibly, the simple actions of Daniel, again, of just staying focused, rocked the world of King Darius. And we see that the king clearly saw God through Daniel's actions and faith and trust in God, and that Daniel's life exemplified Daniel's obedience to God and God used that to change the heart of King Darius and a nation. Up to this point, we see two lives have been saved. Then we see in verse 24 that King Darius commanded that the conspirators who had informed on Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Before they hit the floor, the lions had them in their jaws, tearing them to pieces. So, when is it permissible not to follow the law of the governing authorities? Under one condition and one condition only, and that is of when it has anything to do with denying God. Under no other circumstance are we permitted to break the law, bend the law, or interpret the law to suit our opinions and desires. We see plainly that God did not need Daniel to protest, tweet, talk bad about the authorities, or shove it in the face of the authorities as to what he was going to do. Daniel continued to live a peaceful life, going about his business as usual, just as he had always done, and trusted God fully. And the outcome was incredible. In my estimation, this whole episode proves that Daniel was truly comfortable in his skin, truly secure in his relationship with God, and trusted God deeply and knew God well enough that he could trust him and that there was no circumstance too big for God to handle and handle with ease. We also see that Daniel used his time very wisely. Had he been organizing a protest, he would not have been spending face-to-face time with God. On that, I strongly believe that by not protesting and throwing a supposedly Christian fit had a far more profound impact on King Darius. After all, everyone expects screaming and hollering when the laws are enacted that others don't agree with. But to remain civil, obedient, peaceable, and most importantly, just relying on God to do what we can't do, prove to the king that Daniel had something going for him that was out of this world. And indeed, our God is out of this world in what he does and how he provides in each and every circumstance. We see, as the passage concludes, that evil did not prevail in the end, and evil will not prevail in our present world in the end. And that is what we must know, and that is what we must trust. Our protesting, breaking laws, and every feeble attempt to, quote, serve God in ways he never asked will never change anything for the better. How many opportunities have we missed to witness to others when we take the matters of God into our own hands? How much of God's time have we wasted protesting when all along we could have been in God's face asking Him to move the seemingly immovable obstacles in our lives and the world for that matter? Let's wrap up with this. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And there is the final word on how believers are to handle themselves just as Daniel did. Come humbly and pray. No mention of protest. God says clearly get in my face and stay there and if you do that then I will hear and do things for you you cannot do under any circumstance. No authority under heaven will have the final word, ever. Instead of tantrums, trust. Instead of protesting, pray. Instead of being obstinate, be obedient. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word of truth. We thank you that we are able to have such a trusting, honest, loving, and perfect authority in our lives. Help us to see that you are the ultimate authority, the ultimate ruler, and help us to know without question That you are in complete and perfect control and very capable of taking care of all things. Help us also not to just sit back and watch the world go by, but in all things and in all ways be focused on you, living through you and allowing you to live through us so that we may be good and excellent ambassadors. Forgive us as so often we take matters into our own hands and attempt to do your job. Forgive us for our wayward attitudes that ultimately do not show the world who you are. And now we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.